I am. Hello, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there, to all of you guys who are not directly mothers, also happy Mother's Day, because so many women care for so many different people and animals, nieces, nephews. We just appreciate all of you women today that care for others, and we just want to celebrate you. Um, we're happy that you're here. If you're here in person, it's great to see you all today. If you're here on live stream, it's awesome that you've joined us too. Um, I just have a couple announcements for us before we get started. BBS is coming. Let's hear a shout. The coolest week of the summer, very best week of summer is what Miss Corey always says. So please sign up for that if you've got kiddos that you want to be involved. It really helps our team planning and getting enough stuff that they need for all those wonderful kiddos. So please sign up in the back if you want your kids to go to VBS. That's going to be June 13th through the 17th. Also, we have Walk for Life coming um, through advice and aid. So lots of people here from Southwoods go and walk. That's going to be on June 4th. Um, you can sign up online. There's also more information in the back. There's a great flyer that you can look at um, if you want to go back there and walk for life. Just one more announcement. We've got Trailblaze. The guys are going on an outdoor trip to Colorado. How fun is that? It's in Salida, Colorado. I used to work out there. And if you have not been there, it is beautiful. So please sign up if you want to go do that. That's going to be August 3rd through 7th, and it's for ages 12 and up. They're going to be outside camping that whole time. So just celebrating those guys. Um, but again, we're just really happy you're here this morning. Here at Southwoods, we do so many great things. Just what you can tell from the announcements, we've got a lot going on. So um, the ways that you can give to support all of that are up here, and they're going to be on the screen. You can give in person, online, or by mail just goes to supporting God's work. And so let me pray for us and we're going to worship this morning. Okay. Heavenly Father, we're so, we're so glad to be here this morning, God. And we just want to invite you, God, that you'd be with us, God, that you would speak to us and fill us and just help us feel close to you this morning through this time and to feel close to those that you love, those who are here among us. Father, let your presence really come here and fill us and um, just fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus name, amen. You can go ahead and stand up.
great. <laughs> Go ahead and greet somebody this morning.
and have a seat. We're going to do one more song for you guys this morning. And before we do that, I'm just going to talk a little bit about communion. And um, I'm a therapist. And I don't know if any of you guys are involved with small groups here. But if you are, I'd really encourage it because they really challenge you as a therapist a lot of times. I want to fix everybody and I want there to be an option for everybody and like it's really hard for me to like understand the concept of of hell and that God would want that for anybody and my group challenged me the last week and they're like okay God doesn't want that for anybody that's not been his plan at all like heaven is meant for us and I think a lot of times we talk about all you have to do is believe if you just believe it you will go to heaven you will be with Jesus and there's an element of that that's very true um, I was thinking about that. I was asking, I was talking to Cody about it and the rest of my group, and they were like, you also have to submit. You have to submit your life and your choices and your path to God. Because otherwise, like, even the, even the demons believe, right? Like, they know he exists. They see him work every day. And ultimately, we see him work every day. We could probably believe for the most part just from seeing, like, the rocks and the trees will cry out, right? So I just want to encourage you guys. I, I was reading a book. It's, um, it's by Jackie Hill Perry. She was a lesbian, and she actually decided to, to become straight because of who God changed her to be. Her book is Gay Girl, Good God. Um, and she talked about, she was like, there's a lot of people, Christians and non-Christians alike, that they know the pieces of themselves that are, that are messed up, and they only offer those pieces to God. They're like, those are the ones that you can fix. Those are the ones that um, I judge myself about, I know that are wrong. But really, you should be submitting your whole heart to God, because we don't know the sins that we don't know, right? So if you can submit your whole heart to God, that is where he can move and change you and fill you up and make you into the person that he longs for you to be, because he loves you. And so we're going to sing one more song, and it just talks about how God will never leave you. And I encourage you guys, submit to him because he doesn't want to leave us. He wants to be with us, but he wants our partnership in that too. So we're going to sing this song, and then we're going to take communion. And I just encourage you guys to listen and let, let the Holy Spirit fill you up.
so good. God, thank you just for being with us. God, that we know we don't have to walk this life alone. God, that you want to be with us. God, that you provided a way to be with us even after the choices that Adam and Eve made that separated us from you. God, you gave us Jesus. Father, thank you for staying even when we're hurting, even when we're sad, even when we're making crappy choices. Father, you are good. Be with us this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and take communion.
Okay. Smash. Say take one and then smack it down. Action. What does your mom talk about a lot? Mostly stuff that I cannot question and I don't know about. Reading. She's trying to get me into reading. I just don't get it. Taxes. She doesn't talk about stuff. She always sings. She always sings about Beyonce. What's something your mom's always telling you? Stop talking about the iPad. No iPad. <laughs> Go brush your teeth. How does she know you didn't brush your teeth? <laughs> she just knows. I can't. You can't remember? Oh. No, gosh. I can't. Oh, that's okay. Clean my room. Is your room get kind of dirty? Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Would your mom say it's kind of dirty, or would your mom say, this is dirty? Kind of. Are you getting tired of my questions? Kind of. Kind of. Does she sing, like, worship music? It's only my dad who sings worship music. So your dad sings worship music, and your mom sings Beyonce? Yeah. If your mom was a superhero, what would her superpowers be? That's so she could just get the laundry done, because we always have so much laundry. So much laundry. Why would she need super speed, you think? So she wouldn't be late anymore. <laughs> Making people's ear hurt, because how loud she sings. She'd just go, and it would just stop the crime. What does she do at work? She looks at people, or? She looks at people? Well. That kind of sounds like Facebook. <laughs> no. Usually it's just messaging. Just messaging. Just more messaging. more, me messaging. more and more messages. <laughs> just constantly. So how does your mom know that you love her? I tell, I tell her that. Her. You tell her that? Yeah. Do you guys say it at the same time like you just did then? Or no. <laughs> no. Um, I give her hugs. We, we play outside and we ride our scooters and bikes. How do you know that mom loves you? She does kind of stuff. Yeah. For me, she does my hair pretty, and and she always always sings to me. She cooks really good chicken, spaghetti. She gives us hugs. Mom hugs are the best, aren't they? She says, you know what? And I say, you love me. And she's like, how do you know that? Cause I, cause you always say it. Yeah, she always says it cause she loves me. It's kind for me and my brother. She's fine to our whole family. Why is your mom the best mom in the world, do you think? The only reason is because it's my mom. You love her just because she's mom? Mm-hmm. I love that. Awesome. Do you have any questions about my mom? Nope. Not interested at all in my, about my mom? Nope. Okay. Fair enough. Good job. They love you moms, we love you moms. Very happy Mother's Day to you all. I love that line, mom hugs are the best. This is kind of a hard Mother's Day for me, so I'll start out all choked up. Uh, we'll see if we can get better from there, but uh, our family's missing my mom for the first time ever on a Mother's Day. She uh, passed away in December. And uh, she is without a doubt the reason that most of our family has drawn close to the Lord over the years. So if you were here to honor your mother on Mother's Day, just because it's Mother Day, Mother's Day and otherwise you wouldn't normally even go to church, good for you. Good for you if you're even just watching it on a monitor with mom. Good for you. I want to praise you guys for that. My mom helped us as a family see that God brings an honesty and a purity to our lives. Purity to our loves, 
purity to our relationships. I can't look at that side of the room. Sorry, my family's over there. Uh, in God's truth, Mom taught us that we can find positive meaning, a positive life message, a sense of hope. She also learned and taught us that, that drawing near to God gave us a means to deal with our failures and the wrongs in our life, whether there are wrongs or the wrongs that other people perpetrated on us. God freely gives us forgiveness and peace, and we receive rest for our restless souls, is the way one person said that. As we grew closer to God, Mom encouraged us not to make worship just about an hour one day per week, but to get ourselves fully connected to God where it was a full-time sense of worship that we had with our Creator. We followed Mom's steps to bring uh, worship into our family. And, and interesting, with what Kate said a minute ago, we actually find worship becomes our identity if we will allow that. For all the other identities we might want to choose in this world, the one God has for us is he wants us to be worshipers. And as we draw near to him and we move beyond just observing some things on a, in a service on a Sunday to really connecting with him, we find that, that, that our identity changes and we become worshipers of God. That's the kind of worshipers that God is looking for. So I'm very thankful for the legacy of Nancy Priest. Very thankful uh, that we get to be part of a church like this that shares those ideals. Just to kind of add on to what Kate said, um, at Southwoods, um, we have a very wonderful group of people. The, the church in general is a beautiful thing from God, but this church specifically meets a lot of needs for those of us that maybe feel kind of lonely or, or brokenhearted on a Mother's Day for whatever reason it might be in your life. And so I know Katie kind of enjoyed, uh, in, encouraged us to join a group or something. I would encourage the same thing. Get involved in the, the opportunities we have around here if you're feeling a little out, out of it and see if you can connect with our small groups or our ladies' groups or our men's groups or our ministry groups. And there's that's my plug for the day. But that's the kind of... Uh, in church mothering that we can get sometimes if if things weren't quite as good with our own mothers so i hope you'll think about that a key element of worship is gratitude being thankful and so today we especially want to be thankful for our mothers and if possible to our mothers as we reflect on motherhood and the god who gave mothers to us i thought it would be a good idea to remember that though we often use the description father, God is not a man, is he? God is not a woman. God is not an angel or some kind of other created being. God is holy, we're told, which is just a religious word to mean separate. God is outside. He's other from our creation, but he does not want to stay that way. God earnestly desires to connect with us. And to that end, he's left us clues all through creation, all through the things we can observe that will help us understand his character. The character of God is revealed in what we see in the world and through one beautiful gift in creation, the gift of motherhood. God is revealed 
in some very special ways through the gift of motherhood. How is that? What is it about God that comes to light through our relationship with mom? I would venture to say we could talk to each one of us like they talked to those little kids on the video and we could go on for days and days, couldn't we, some of us, to talk about our moms. I just want to focus on three moms today. There are three episodes from the lives of mothers in the Bible that each give us something of an answer to that question. How, what does God teach us about himself through our mothers? So why don't we begin with a prayer, and then we're going to do a heavy dose of Scripture today. You guys are welcome to try to keep up in your Bibles if you want to be uh, flipping pages, but they'll all be on the screens too, and I'll, I'll be happy to read those to you. Let's pray. Father, we are just so grateful for mothers and what you've uh, designed into our world through them, not just to bring us into the world, but to bring us to your world and to bring us to you. We pray for your blessing a special, a special sense of reward and peace to the hearts of all the mothers here and that can hear my voice. I pray, God, as we um, try to learn more about you through our mothers and as we do that through your word, that you would guide our, our minds, guide our hearts this morning into whatever truth you want us to hear. We thank you for this privilege, and we pray that uh, it would continue throughout our lifetimes. Bless us now as we read in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the first mother we'll meet, we meet in a rather jolting encounter from the life of the ancient king. His name is King Solomon. He's known in the Bible as the wisest person to ever live, second only to Jesus Christ. And Solomon was a worshiper of God, as we're describing this morning. He humbly, as he came to the throne, he humbly requested wisdom from God in order to do the best job he could in serving and leading the nation of Israel at the time. And God did that. Look at what we read in 1 Kings 4 about the blessing God gave in response to Solomon's request. It says, God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the East and the wise men of Egypt. That's where all the smart guys were, I guess, the East and the Egypt, okay? He was wiser than anyone else. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. And because of his role as king, and because of this great wisdom that he had, part of Solomon's a business was to render judgments to the people who would come to him with difficult situations that couldn't be handled by the ordinary system of government they had. Early on in young King Solomon's reign, this very sticky situation presented itself. Pardon it, it's a bit gruesome, I'm afraid, but we'll read it anyway. Uh, this is from 1 Kings 3. Sometime later, Two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. Please, my lord, one of them began, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted, it certainly was your son, and the living child is mine. 
No, the first woman said, the living child is mine and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. Tough, tough thing for this young king. And the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child in two and give half to one woman and half to the other. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, oh no, my Lord, give her the child, please do not kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he will be neither yours nor mine, divide him between us. Then the king said, do not kill the child but give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she is his mother. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. What did King Solomon see? What did his little test, even though it was a, a proposed gruesome resolution to this situation, what did his little test bring to light? What convinced this wise king what the correct decision would be? It was the sacrificial love of a mother. It's the sacrificial love of a mother without hesitation. When her baby is placed in jeopardy, this mother responds with sacrifice and submitting herself to it, what would have been for her a very undesirable situation. She's not gonna be able to mother that little boy anymore. But what is best for the baby is her only concern in that moment. The sacrificial love of a mother shining out of the life of a prostitute. She's putting the needs of her child at the forefront despite any loss she would have to endure. The sacrificial love of a mother. How many of us have had moms like that? There's a lot more to reflect upon in this story. I'm sorry we're not going to spend all day here. I know you might want to, Mark, but we're not going to do that. Okay, there's a lot more to reflect on, but I've got two other moms that I'd like us to look at as we move along. We weren't given the name of the prostitute that Solomon returned the baby to. The ancient name of our second mother from a time even before Solomon in ancient Israel is still in use today. It's Hannah. Hannah, we hear that. I, I work with a Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H. That's a palindrome. You can spell forward and backward the same way. So is my name, Bob. Mom and, <laughs> Mom and Dad made that real easy on me. I could spell it either way, and I'm going to come out okay. So Hannah. And Hannah's story is going to take us a little longer, so buckle in, okay? There's a lot of fun names in this one. <laughs> there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah. Remember that place. He lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroam, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. Let's take a brief pause here in that culture, in that kind of time, and often in the world. A, a wife who was childless it had to endure a lot of scorn. It was almost like people assumed there's something not right with you. you. You are cursed by God. You're out of favor with him. That must have been something you did in your life that has made it impossible for you to have a child. 
And what makes it doubly difficult is this is a polygamous marriage. So Elkanah clearly is not the problem. He's, able, he's been able to have children with his other wife. And it is a very distressing thing for Hannah. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh. That was kind of the Jerusalem of the time, kind of a worship center, to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children year after year. It was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask, why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having two sons, ten sons? He's really helping out, wasn't he? That's something I would say, right, Sam? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his, at his customary place beside the entrance to the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish. She's crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, and she made this vow, O Lord of heaven, of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. That's a very special thing. I'll leave it to you to read more of that story on your own, but the guys with really long hair, it was for a reason back then. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she'd been drinking. Must you come here drunk? He demanded, throw away your wine. Oh, oh no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back, and it kind of cheered her up, I guess, because, look, she began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. Where she said, I asked the Lord for him. And there's a note in my Bible that says the, the name Samuel sounds like the Hebrew for heard of God. She recognized that this child was from God. It's not a happy conclusion to that story. Don't you like that? Hannah is finally blessed with a son, with a child, except it's not the conclusion of the story. There is a vow that Hannah made and a vow that must be fulfilled. Listen to what Hannah, the new mother, does next. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. Again, that's that holy place. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice 
and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. And once again, we witness the sacrificial love of a mother. This time from one who waited years, years to know the joy of childbirth. She waited years, Hannah did, to silence the taunts of her rival, to, to silence the people who spoke poorly of her all those years. But this is more than just the sacrificial love that we see, the sacrificial love of a mother. Hannah humbly is recognizing the hand of God in providing her a child. And in one of the deepest examples of devotion you'll see anywhere in all of Scripture, as soon as the little boy is weaned, we're told, this mother offers him back to God. He will be devoted for a lifetime of service to the Lord and to his nation, the nation of Israel, at their most holy place, at that holy tabernacle. Our mother Hannah is so completely devoted to God, so devoted to the one she worships, that she makes it clear that everything, even this baby, everything in her life is at God's disposal. Not only is she willing to personally sacrifice a normal life of raising her son, She's giving little Samuel the opportunity to grow into a very unique life of service. It's said to belong to the Lord his whole life. To belong to the Lord his whole life. It's a strange story, isn't it? I've often wondered how the folks at the tabernacle reacted <laughs> when all of a sudden they've got a little, I don't know how old they are when they're weaned, but i got to guess he's toddler or maybe just a little older. That's a, that's a lot to care for all of a sudden. Is Greg, Greg Montague here today? You know, I was kind of wondering what he thought of that. Any of you have toddlers you might want to devote to the, the place here? Greg and Lori might be excited to see if they... No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Although I think maybe we've all had some children we wanted to devote at times. <laughs> the, the, the Bible does not leave us, though, with this idea that, oh, just Hannah just gave up her child and went away. Now, there's a really sweet verse a little further. We can see this connection. Even though Hannah lived a ways from this little boy, Samuel, and now he's at the temple serving, she is maintaining a connection with her son. Listen to this. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Isn't that a cute picture? Little guy with his little robe. Each year his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. Before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wives and say, May the Lord give you other children to take the place of the one she gave to the Lord. And the Lord blessed Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons. And two daughters. I don't think that was all at once. <laughs> I think it was over some time, okay? I guess it could have been. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Boy, she got a big family, didn't she? What a gift. What a gift she gave to Samuel. 
Because of her personal devotion to the Lord, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. And once again, that's a part of this story we could spend a bunch of time on. I'll just encourage you to go read these early verses in, in 1 Samuel to learn about how that looked for Samuel, how he literally grew up in the presence of the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. And I tell you something else that came out of these events. Samuel grew to become a prominent figure in his nation, just as Solomon as king was this prominently wise person known far and wide. Before there were kings, those guys that were top of the chart were judges and prophets. And that's who Samuel becomes. And he's known far and wide as the prophet, a prophet of God, and that the word of the Lord came to all Israel through Samuel. When Samuel spoke, it was like for the people, they were hearing the voice of God himself. There's an interesting phrase in one of these passages where it says, the Lord let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Everything he said was of value. Nothing he said was in vain because God was with him. Do you know what else? Beyond that great life and uh, influence that he was able to have, there's a really neat verse. This isn't directly from the Bible. I am inferring this, okay? But as often as he could, as often as his, tra as his travels in the country as the big prophet would allow, and then most certainly we see this toward the end of his ministry. Samuel found his way back to the hill country of Ramah. That's where Hannah and Elkanah and the family were. And I imagine that what that was was a deep longing in that man's life to be with his mom, to be with those siblings, all the while honoring the calling that, that she had chosen for him as a baby. He later as an adult took that and, and agreed to it personally. It was his calling, but the pull on Samuel's heartstrings were for mom, like they would be for any of us. They're for home and for family. Those to me must certainly have been why he kept journey, journeying to that place. So home means a lot of things to a lot of us. But for many of us, a large part of home is mom. This is the second hard part, Sam. <clears throat> Moms, said that kind of weakly, didn't I? Moms, what an influence and a blessing you are and can be in the lives of the little ones that God has entrusted to you. Let me encourage you. Do everything you can, like Hannah, to help your little ones, your little guys, your little gals. Help them to know God. Help them to know his, worse, his word. Help, help them to grow up in the presence of the Lord as much as you can. Help them become little worshipers of God. They don't have to have a robe or anything. Just help them, help them in that direction. Worshippers in spirit and truth. Do it when they're young. Continue it when they're older. Some of our more seasoned moms can tell us probably that sometimes it's harder to positively love our children once they've grown and they're maybe not going quite the direction we want. Whatever our stage of life, I know many of us have been blessed with that kind of encouragement 
from our mom. So that's why we need to honor them today. We need to honor them way more than one day a year, don't we? The sacrificial love of a prostitute, the sacrificial and devotional love of a once childless woman, there's a lot to reflect on in these two stories, but let's move on to our third and final mom. This mom is a virgin when we meet her. She'd never been with a man, although she was engaged, betrothed to a gentleman from her village named Joseph. Mary was still a virgin nine months later after we meet her. On the day, the Christmas day, that she gave birth to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And the new life she brought into the world, Jesus, was not conceived like any other ever in the history of the world. We're told in, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1 that this came about by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. And we know even in a theological sense, what we have here is the joining of the nature of God and the nature of man in the person of Jesus Christ. Mary was a virgin when he was born. The sacrificial love of a mother, the deeply devotional love of a mother, like we've seen in the other women, are, are clearly on display in Mary's life as we read about her encounters in the gospel through decades of Jesus' life. But there's another aspect of motherhood that I'd like to touch on as we wrap up this morning. It's highlighted in Mary's life. You'll notice it here, I'm sure, as I read two short readings, one from when Jesus was a baby and the shepherds were running to see him, the other when he was about 12. Listen to these little excerpts. They hurried to the village, that's the shepherds, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And listen to this, but Mary kept all these things in her heart. She thought about them often. And the second verse is, then he returned to Nazareth. This is Jesus as a 12-year-old. He returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. It's a wonderful gift that many people have, many mothers have, especially in these days in an era where there were no videos or photos or things to kind of keep life experiences alive through the years. In some versions of the Bible, um, the one I grew up with, it says Mary treasured up in her heart. She treasured up in her heart these moments that she had with Jesus over the years. This kind of treasuring heart keeps a, it's, it creates a deep connection between mother and child. For the mother, it also creates a place of real vulnerability, doesn't it? The vulnerable love that can, that can experience such pain when they see their child hurt or they see their child not thriving somehow. And this vulnerability to suffering for her son in Mary's life was actually prophesied for her and prophesied to her in another encounter at the temple, this time the more permanent holy place. In Jesus' earliest days, this is an interesting little, little paragraph here. I don't know if you've read this before, but let me read it to you and see what you think. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly, eagerly awaiting 
uh, eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Well, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said, said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then this, and a sword will pierce your very soul. That's not the kind of end you want to your prophecy, is it? A sword will pierce your very soul. Do you remember that Mary was there on that hillside on that Good Friday afternoon? She watched her son. It says this in John 19, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother. And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, that was John, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his house. Jesus was doing his duty as the oldest son to see that his mother was cared for upon his death. But Mary had to be there and witness all that horror that our Lord went through, the vulnerable love of all the things that have been treasured in her heart, the vulnerable love of a mother is on full display now. She's raised him. She's protected him all these years. They even traveled out of the country to get him away from some people that wanted to harm him. She's witnessed his devotion to God over the years. And then this time comes when that, that vulnerable, vulnerable place in her heart where all these moments have been treasured all these years, it's just going to be broken wide open. To fulfill God's plan and purpose for Jesus, Jesus knew he had to go to the cross. He knew that the whole time. He had to go to the cross to, the cross to rescue the world, to rescue you and me from death. Jesus lays down his life. But you know what? He does that knowing he's going to give his mom one more thing to treasure up in her heart. He gave her the resurrection. He gave her the, the gift of witnessing him not only dying a horrible death on that cross, but resurrecting to life to set all of us free, to give all of us entrance into the eternal life that he came to bring us. Jesus took his life back up from the grave, is what the Bible says. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. I think we sing that sometimes. And Mary experienced the pain of losing her son. Her vulnerable heart was broken, but just for three days. Because then it was restored. 
because her son is Jesus. A prostitute, a childless woman, and a virgin, that's three pretty unlikely mothers who carry in their hearts this truth about God's character. These moms could be examples of sacrificial love and devotional love and vulnerable love when it came to their children because it was God who planted those things in them. God created these mothers with those qualities in them. God is the source of all those wonderful kinds of loves that come from moms because God is love. And the beautiful love of our mothers begins in the person of our Father, God. So let me just wrap up with this. As we celebrate this Mother's Day, I hope you will find whatever good ways you can to honor the moms in your life, whether, whether you can still see them or whether it's honoring their memory. I hope you'll take time to do that. I hope you'll, as you continue thinking about this morning, that, that you'll let worship and admiration and gratitude flow from your heart to God because of these wonderful things he's done, this wonderful gift of motherhood that has showed once again how great his love is for us. Why don't we stand? We'll have closing prayer. And uh, one of the offers we make here, and no pressure, but if you feel like you'd like to talk to someone afterwards or have someone pray for you afterwards, feel free to come on down. I'll be happy to do that. Uh, no pressure, though, if, if not. Let's uh, bow our heads, and we'll ask the Lord to bless the rest of our time. Lord, we are, again, thankful for all you have shown us through our mothers. I pray for the hearts here that are maybe filled with a little sadness or sorrow as they think of that. I pray that you'd bring your special kind of comfort into their hearts. Thank you for the joy that so many of us experience. Help us to emulate these characteristics that we see in these three moms that we see in our own moms. And God, thank you for the, the new life that you bring into the world through moms, and thank you for the eternal life that you bring into the world through your son, Jesus. We love him. We worship him. Help us to serve him and uh, be true worshipers of yours. Bless us now as we go. Give us blessed days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.